you can call me Ishmael as we begin our voyage to hunt the white whale that is the quality Voyager episode on V'ger, please. I hate for Voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Captain Joseph. I'm calling dibs on Ahab. Uh, Peter. <laughs> Peter Ahab. Ahab had what? to be his last name, right? Yeah, I I mean, they even referenced it in the episode. What, but what episode was that that we watched this week? Did Ahab have a first name? Because I'm going to say it was Jerry. Jerry Ahab. <laughs> Season five, I episode... Like <laughs> Season five, episode 14, Bliss. Maybe it was like a gender neutral name, like Pat Ahab or <laughs> Sam Ahab. Gertrude Ahab. You know, Gertrude just going with this. Gender neutral? Yeah, yeah I, you know what? It People is now. Have weird names. It's boy named Sue, you know, like. Can you Ahab, I like it. All right. I really like that you called it. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but last week when we were recording, right near the end of the episode, you, you, you. Put your finger into the air and you uh, smell, you kind of try to feel where the wind was. And you said, Seven of Nine episode is coming. There's, I can feel it. There's boobies in them there hills. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, here we are with a, a very Seven of Nine centric episode. I feel like we're going to have to make our own fun when it comes to talking about this because it's just kind of here. I struggle to consider what I want to talk about here. I like the episode. It is a cool example of space madness and alien influencer all wrapped into one. Um, I'm trying to think back on season one episode with like the demi Q who, uh, manipulates the crew into having crazy hallucinogens or hallucinations yeah. where and Kess had to, to intervene in the end and like have a psychic duel. Yeah. And you never, ever really resolve what happened. It's just some maleficent force out there. And we assume it's like a humanoid, right? Very strong. Right. Path hiding on a ship. But like maybe it was a big fucking nasty Cthulhu mega creature just floating around in space with tons of uh, psychic energy. I don't want to suggest this episode is bad. It's just it's fine. You know, it's there's nothing too objectionable, but nothing all that interesting about it aside from the literal Captain Ahab character who I, we will get to uh, here very quickly because he's in the teaser. It's it's fine. This is a perfectly a OK episode of Voyager. It's just that there's the best episodes for you and I to talk about are ones who are that are very good. And very bad <laughs> because it gives us those those tender comedic morsels or, you know, meat on the bone in general. When you get something that's aggressively average like this, though, it's, it's OK. So they 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 run into a a direct comparison to Moby Dick in space, kind of a cool, you know, it's a telepathic creature. You don't really get to know much about it. And eventually they save the day. Eh. Eh. It's a aggressively. Eh. Listen, man, I've I've seen Picard. <laughs> Give me all that. Eh. Give me all of it. I'll, I'll take all of it with a big smile on my face. No, man, I thought this was cool. This was. um, Yeah, you had the the allusion to Moby Dick going on rather heavy handed, but this is good space horror. This is good high concept stuff. I think that they used 
the characters very well. I will say that I was disappointed with the handling of Tuvok in particular. I thought that there were some missed beats there, but we've had a lot of seven of nine saves the day, especially back in season four. And in this example, it felt felt natural. It felt good. And it didn't really leave me like, oh, you know, this Mary Sue bitch <laughs> swooping in and, and just being too goddamn smart. Like everything worked and it clicked. This was an episode by a guy by the name of Robert J. Doherty. Do- Do- yeah, good old Doherty. That's Shannon Doherty's brother. This guy was supposed to really be on 90210, but then it's just I don't know. I'm making that up. <laughs> Yeah, I it looks like he he did the only other episode that he's done that we've already seen was uh Visa V, which I so really liked. That was that was a fun one. That was actually I think a as a much better developed episode in terms of like telling you a story like a Visa V had some really top perhaps the best ever full on two handing uh choking. That that was a that was a choking episode for the true choking connoisseur. Yeah, there there was a triple choke, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had the trick. We had the we had the hat trick choke. The captain got choked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was we we did it all. We did all the choking. Mm-hmm. We like choking here. The Delta Quadrant's a choke happy quadrant. You know, it's just it's instead of grabbing the hand, you grab the throat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just part of like measuring yourself up to others. When suffocation is a lifestyle. Speaking of a lifestyle, let's go to the teaser because there's a couple things here that I do want to talk about. The first is the actor. Because the the actor we see here is is Katai, who is Captain Ahab in space. He is played by a, a guy by the name of uh, Morgan Shepard. He is one of the more amazing that guys. He is not a uh, man. He is a meat suit around a very throaty, scholastic, gravelly voice. <laughs> yes. And that voice I recall from so many things. Uh, primarily, I was a huge fan of the Medal of Honor games on PlayStation and eventually uh, Allied Assault on the PC. I think it was like the first like real PC shooter I ever got into. He did all of the... Uh, uh, mission briefings. He had that that voice of like authority that you just you hired him to read the script and you could make it sound like a million dollars. He also was the voice for everything in Civilization Five, a game that I literally played like three hundred hours of. Um, but he's been all over like TV for his entire life. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Passed away in the last couple of years. Um, he's also Mark Shepard, another actor's dad. Mark Shepard was famous for being Crowley on Supernatural. And then he also played that lawyer on BSG in the last couple seasons. That was kind of like a Looney Tune who had a dead cat in his bag. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> The real claim anyway, to fame when we're talking about a Star Trek podcast was uh, this is the guy from the Schizoid Man, Dr. Ira Graves. And you'll remember him. That was a season. Oh, I don't know. One season two, maybe. Uh who was an affiliate of uh, Dr. Soong and he lures uh, data to him. And then he somehow uploads himself into data's body and he's a real asshole. But here they have him in one of the worst 
prosthetic pieces that we've seen in a while. It looks like a baseball glove super glued to his face with little slits cut in for his eyes. It looks terrible. Like you can see this thing peeling up the entire time. Again, it doesn't matter what he looks like. There's no need to dress him up. You don't need to see him at all. They could have put a fucking bed sheet over him with two eye hole cutouts like a ghost. Because you just hear him. You feel him in your chest as he talks and you go, oh, it's that guy. What? Yeah, it's he's an all timer voice like whatever. Have him read the fucking phone book. It's it's money. Yeah, I lo- love it. And he's he's we see him. It's a real short teaser. He's in the like the headroomiest shuttle I think I've ever seen. Like it's it's like a giant conversion van kind of headroom, right? Looks roomy. He's got a real comfortable looking chair. I said you that too. I like this dude's captain's chair is a fucking lazy boy recliner. It is. I mean, he looks like this is this is uh this is a comfortable kind of kind of setup for him. I like it. He can kind of get up and move around. It's his, way better than that type too. His shuttlecraft just looks like a flying den. It does. It looks like someone. If there was wood paneling. Yeah. In this shuttlecraft, I I don't feel like it would be out of place. Yeah. So he's uh he's zipping along. You see his shuttle. He's yelling. He's pissed about something, right? And he's like doing from hell's heart. I stab at these shit, which, you know, makes sense. He, I believe, was in Wrath of Khan as well. Right. No, he was in Undiscovered Country. Undiscovered he was in country, six. Right. He was the uh, Klingon prison planet uh, commandant. Um, He's shooting phasers. So whatever he's doing is not having a great time. We zoom out and we see his little rinky dink piece of garbage shuttle flying into what should be a spatial anomaly. But I'm looking, I'm like, that really looks like a space monster's mouth. That looks really cool. This is one of the neatest celestial phenomenon we've seen in Voyager. And I thought it was a pretty intriguing way to start things off. And, uh, you know, on top of guessing that it's going to be a seven heavy episode, I'm like, geez, what if there's just a big monster out there eating things? Wouldn't that be cool? And the effect is, is good for the time. I won't, won't, won't bag on the visual effect of the monsters like Aperture. Uh, the next scene after the credits is Janeway. Cut to Janeway coming out of the turbo lift, already completely unimpressed about whatever's happening. You know, comes up and like, oh, there's a wormhole, you say? Goes directly to Sector 001. Yeah, I don't fucking buy that. I'm the trap queen. <laughs> I know, fucking, fucking smelled that from deck six. I'm not saying I fucking believe it's a real wormhole to Earth, but I am saying go fly into that thing anyways. I'm just saying I, I know it's a trap. Now, now, full speed, get us in there. <laughs> she she is 100% portrayed as like, I'm on to this being bullshit. And uh, they think that they're could be some kind of deception as a consequence of they're getting some kind of life reading and someone's trying to trying to trick them, but they want to find out who's trying to trick them. Cut to. I want to ask Delta you Flyer. this question, Joe, like, do you think every Starfleet captain has at least one time in their career post Farpoint mission where there's just some real nutty, impossible shit going on? And they're like, okay, well, you know, here's my orders and we'll do whatever. And then they retreat back to their ready room and like, Q, is is that you, Q? Or is it my turn in the barrel with you? <laughs> like, is this it? Is this the moment? Is this just normal space madness or is this Q level space madness? I know we're not supposed to, but I've made a secret list of wishes. Can you please bring my dead grandfather back? 
I know Picard's <laughs> too good to fucking request for uh, his dog to be brought back to life, but man, I really love that family cat. And if you could just give me five minutes. Fuck that French stick in the mud, man. I am ready to deal. Homie, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Let's play. I'm tired of just having your... holographic recreations of my dead family members. I need my wife back for real. Um, I like the portrayal of Janeway here. It is not something that we are very used to in the other franchises is seeing a very casual, very pessimistic, very almost playful reaction by a captain right. uh, and seeing her be that real and stinking like, mm-hmm, what bullshit's this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. Like, that's fun. I like that. I did too. It was a nice change of pace, but it makes perfect sense for where they are in the stage of this journey. If they're like, you know, like I'm over getting fooled by this shit. Let's uh, let's blood ho- let's uh, bloodhound around this and figure out what's actually going on. The, Wouldn't you just be next- like, fuck it, just go the other way, delete that thing out of the sensors, and just there is nothing good there for us at all. Like, how many? When's the last time they really got jerked around? Good. It's probably hopes and fears, right? Let's take a look. Let's see if there's anything in season five. Okay. Uh, Gravity, no. Brightachiotica, no. Latent image, no. Counterpoint, no. 30 days, no. Nothing human, no. Infinite regress, no. Timeless, no. Once upon a time, no. In the flesh, no. Extreme risk, no. Drone, no. Night, no. So nothing in season five. We'll agree there. Yeah, so season four finale of Hope and Fear. That was it. You're right. And they were very skeptical then, too. Mm-hmm. And, and like Janeway, and we talked about that, like Janeway was, had turned into the cynic to the degree that she smelt the this is too good to be trueness of it. And here we are again. Not not hard this time, you know, mm-hmm. she saw it a mile away. The next scene is like the most unforbi- un- like unforgivable part of it. And that is uh, we go to the away mission. Speaking of uh, once upon a time, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> well, what's the plot of once upon a time? Uh, that would be that uh, Naomi Wildman uh, is having problems with her holodeck uh, friends and, you know, the uh, no, the B plot. The, Hold on. And it's running parallel to her mom being imperiled on an away mission on the Delta Flyer. With who? Uh, with Tom Paris and Tuvok. So Tom Paris, an emotionless fuck, the Delta Flyer, and Deep Space. And you are buried alive and almost die, and you write a final letter to your only child, wishing them farewell at the hands of a terrible, slow death. And then you're going to turn around like six weeks later and been like, yeah, honey, sure. <laughs> you can go off on the Delta flyer with convict Tom with that Tom Vict and uh, re- re- recently demoted convict Tom. <laughs> yeah. And that robot Borg lady who I very clearly have instilled some, some very racist viewpoints on go ahead and traipse around far away from the ship. What's the worst that could happen? Worst mom ever. I don't understand the rationale of putting a child in danger in this way. Like away missions are very dangerous. So dangerous that, you know, you typically don't send your 
underqualified actual crew members on them right like adults naomi adult coping skills naomi wildman is so insignificant and undertrained that she doesn't even get a com badge they're out in what could be a catastrophic encounter with god knows what and they don't even put a way to track her or talk to her what happened last episode joe do you remember to the away team mission on a shuttlecraft Oh, I believe it crash landed on a planet filled with a bunch of uh, chowder heads who are trying to kill them. Uh, you missed the most important part of that, and it, it got sucked into a pocket reality. Okay, yes. And then it crash landed. It like super crash landed. It crash landed so hard it doesn't exist anymore. And the very next week, you're letting your kid go out on a shuttle with Mr. Bad Luck himself, Convict Tom. Worst mother ever. Uh, I agree. She is the worst mother ever. I do like the whole trying to build up the whole Seven of Nines character by using Naomi Wildman. And I think like miraculously somehow it worked. Just the idea of her being on an away mission, though, that was just way too much. Right. Like everything else they use her for in this episode makes sense. And she didn't have to be on this away mission for Naomi Wildman's later use in the episode to make sense. Right. Yeah. It was totally unnecessary. Like. The only person that needed to be on this away mission with Seven of Nine was Tom, right? Because you wanted that moment of she talks to him about what's going on, and that's when she finds out, like, that even he's been affected by it. Yes. Like, so, like at that they needed that for the plot, but there's no reason for Naomi Wildman to be here. What a fucking stupid idea that was. Yeah. Any, anyway, you know, they, they went apparently looking for deuterium. Uh, didn't find any, and then they decided to let the child drive the starship for a while. Wasn't Deuterium very... just a big deal, too? It's been a big deal a few times, but I don't feel like it's actually been mentioned since night. Yeah, Trying to look... So it's still in the same season. Yeah, beginning of season five was they were trying to find some way to uh, like maintain a Deuterium reserve, I think, in night. And then I think it also came up in Demon because that's why they had to land on that fucking planet. Yes, 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 you're right. Because they were just like out of fucking gas. It, that was the whole point of that as well, yeah. So that's been the uh, the unobtainium for this season. I like the fact they're being consistent on it. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that's actually a, a long-term Trek thing because deuterium is supposed to be the matter part of the matter-antimatter reaction because its properties are... Uh, unique in such that it can create a controlled matter antimatter reaction to be able to fuel the ship. So I, I think I feel like deuterium has been mentioned across all of the Berman era Trek franchises as the fuel. So it's, it's good continuity, not just for Voyager, but for Trek in general. On the shuttle craft, Tom shows her how to lay in a course. There's some interesting interplay between seven of nine and Tom Paris. And for a, minute there i was almost like is she bossing tom around because she does like bust him out by calling him ensign but it's like you're still non-commission you're not even in a uniform you have this phantom authority around the ship is is she really trying to flex on a guy who you know was senior bridge personnel which would be par for the course i mean she stunts on janeway all the time why not you <laughs> know rub Tom's face and shit too, but uh, they get back. They're two hours late for some reason. 
And uh, the first example we have of a someone picking up Naomi Wildman is Tom, and he's going to go take her back to her mom and explain things. And while they're basically hashing out their plan on how to fill out these reports, you see crew members running all over the place, super duper excited. And they're kind of like, what the hell's going on? They have a jet. It's not that their enthusiasm is itself an obvious red flag. It's not like they're so enthusiastic. It's like, oh, you're clearly crazy, right? It's the kind of restrained enthusiasm that remains correct for their personalities, but out of place for the learned skepticism of, of what their experiences have been like. So it, it balances a fine line of like, you know that they're acting out of character a little bit because we've seen already that it's a deception up front. So that's like known to you as the viewer. Um, and of course, the idea here is seven of nine is picking up on the same thing as well. It's like you're kind of all a little bit off. It's a in that you're you're trying hard not to see the problems, but it's it's uh, not so far of the edge that it's obviously like, well, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It's a justified enthusiasm. And the skepticisms that they initially have, they have been able to uh, question with the scientific method and they have held up. And in the light of these uh, double checks and verifications, they have allowed themselves to start getting hope. And they have not blindly proceeded forward, but they've been willing through their own investigations and efforts to excuse the coincidental nature of what they're getting. And as Seven will begin to question things, they welcome her to double check the sensors, to run diagnostics, to look into these um, these uh, fringe variables. And she comes to the same conclusions that they have, which they're quick to continue to endorse. But Seven of Nine keeps a very skeptical outlook on the the absurdity of what's happening the the way i think i found the right way to describe it it's it's each character aside from seven of nine is acting in a fashion where they are subconsciously sabotaging themselves from finding out the truth on purpose like they do things specifically in a way to make it so they will never see the truth, which is the whole power of the monster to begin with, which isn't something they necessarily explain in that detail in the episode. But the more I kind of think about the right way to describe it, that seems to be the line because they're seeing everything that they want to see and are purposefully excluding from their view subconsciously anything that won't up to and including like turning off the doctor so that he can't accidentally interfere because they know subconsciously he could. And uh, my favorite part is like when seven of nine comes up to Janeway's quarters as all of this investigation is ongoing and she gets a letter from her fiance, her ex fiance that he Mark. broke up with, broke up with the, uh, his new fiance, just like exactly the way that she would want it to go. And like, I love it. Like just, it's perfect, right? Like that is a deep cut. Where, yeah, that is what she wants. <laughs> like subconsciously, she wants Mark to break up with this other bitch. <laughs> like, I want my fucking man back. Yeah, okay, I, I believe that. I believe it. Chakotay gets his full pardon and is being instated as some sort of uh, archaeology professor. 
Uh, we'll later anthropology. Find, yeah, yeah, we'll find out. Tom's going to be a test pilot. Um, all these wonderful things. Neelix is going to be an ambassador. Sure. We come to my favorite scene in the episode, which is seven of nine deciding she's going to put her detective hat on and really get to the bottom of this. She goes to pull up Janeway's personal logs in the computer, which unsurprisingly she's locked out of. And her response to that is simply <laughs> go in a hole in the wall and just unplug one isolinear chip and go back. And now, boom, she's got full access to the fucking captain's logs. Like, what? I, I thought you were. <laughs> I thought for sure that was going to be your fuck this Mary Sue moment. But apparently you don't think that is that just fuck Tuvok? He's still terrible. Yeah, or? That's fuck Tuvok, babe. <laughs> when all you yeah. have to do oh, so- is go and pull a plug a fuse out of the wall and it works like <laughs> what what <laughs> what it it was a com it was almost a comic like sequence that they included in that's like oh i can't get in huh doot 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 weren't weren't doot 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 okay yeah you can get in now like oh that's it the only that's way it could it. have been like more sillier is if she would have been like give me the last five logs by captain jimmy in the computer and like no, that's restricted. Her to be like, please, and be like, okay. <laughs> Her to be like, fuck you, fuck your mother, and then computer be like, damn, that was that was rude. Okay, here you go. Like, so there's something in that cargo bay. There is such an important computer system that the 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 lockouts for the ship are located in that room. All you have to do is pull an isolating your chip out of it. Is that really the right place to have the semi psychotic? oftentimes conquer of the ship sleeping yeah like the the one member of your crew that has on multiple occasions attempted to join the ship and fuck you up like yes gone on the joint up just lost her fucking mind yeah gone on a shooting rampage which we will be treated to yet again much to my delight uh so she she pulls this chip out and boom, there's Janeway's logs at her fingertips. And it starts with Janeway. Like, yeah, there's some bullshit going on here. People are trying to jerk us around. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And it's not like a, uh, a stark instant, like everything is great and wonderful. And all of our suspicions have been disproven. It's, it's a, you know, we're looking at this. We're starting to see that there might actually be some, some truth to this matter. And, it's a pretty good like five day progression, I would say. Yeah, it wor- it it works its way into their minds in a way that's believable. They come in skeptical, and then you get the sense from the logs of like, oh, this is the stage of it kind of warming itself into their brains of like, yes, come to me. She, I don't remember. Is does she have her meeting with Tom at this point or much later? She meets with Tom before this, like before she hacks the log, she, like everyone she realizes everyone's getting everything they want, including she gets like a letter from her aunt, uh, you know, so that's when she's like, all right, well, this is fucking bullshit. So she, she starts the investigation thing. She also like goes to the doctor to get him to help before she accesses the logs. I think after that is when she attempts to. Uh, like really scan at herself and try and figure out what the fuck's going on after reading the logs. And then that's when she contacts Captain Ahab for the first time. I think and, a weak point in this episode, not a weak point, but just a, a, a moment I question is 
she does not care about going back to Earth. And because she does not have an invested interest in returning to Earth, she is basically immune to the um, the psychic threat, right? That's the explanation they give. And that's why Naomi Wildman is also immune, is that she's never been there, so she doesn't give a fuck. But then you tie in Tom Paris, who they've gone to great lengths to say, doesn't really give a fuck and as a guy who enjoys being in space and there's nothing tying him back to earth and you know he was he didn't even read the letters from his dad back in um message in a bottle Uh, hold on so this is where i disagree with you it's not that he didn't read it he never got it okay so he was he was at war with himself of if he really wanted to get it or not because of his relationship with his father but he never actually received it, remember? And the whole point was he decided that, you know, he was going to – he decided that his father wished him well in that letter that he never got. I'm Two, this, the, this, what this is suggesting is that Tom's full of shit and he really does want to go home, which I think is very believable. <laughs> I would say, yes, Tom is full of shit. But at the same time, there has been very strong evidence to indicate that Tom likes who he is on Voyager and he knows that while he's on Voyager he continue continued to be that person. So I would say his draw to returning to Earth is flimsy at best. And then you also take uh Bolana Torres, who was also um of the opinion that she did not really want to go to Earth, that there was nothing for her there. Uh she has clearly fallen victim to the illusion. Later on we'll find out that she's like buying into a goofy fantasy that she believes all of her terrorist maquis buddies are back alive so you know it's it's kind of iffy on the it's it's her subconscious desire like i get it i get what they went for with that because the idea is not that balana necessarily thinks that her friends are alive but subconsciously she wants to go back to the alpha quadrant and hopes that the information they got was wrong and that they are alive. So if the monster is preying on, if the monster probed her mind and is creating this fallacy to indulge her, it knows what she wants. It's providing that to her. Uh, Seven of nine gets a letter for Annika Hansen claiming to be a family member that wants to reconnect. It has had to probe her mind to develop this fantasy. So is that really a, deep-seated fantasy for seven of nine is that she wants family to want her and and be back on earth she's just so in denial about it that it doesn't take root i think that's partially too i think it's also partially it's probably because she's you know borg has something to do with it as well they never really go into it and that's a bit of a disappointment to me of um more science sci-fi explanation as to why seven seems so resistant to it side note Um, and i've already said it before on hopes and fears but you know this is another episode where her apprehension fears and thoughts on returning to earth and what her future will be get called up because as she expresses these doubts about the veracity of uh this wormhole that's going to dump them off literally right in front of earth Janeway's like, you know, let's let's talk about the real underlying issue here. It's you're still afraid to go back to Earth. You're afraid of your future, blah, blah, blah. And it just it it drags us back to this future we have been presented in where seven of nine becomes space punisher and has this vigilante murder lifestyle. And just what a fucking disappointment it is watching anything at this stage that 
discusses her potential and knowing that that's where other writers are going to shove her. I'm trying to find the right way to put this. Reject the canon. <laughs> Pretend it never happened. I'm at war with myself because I feel like, yeah, fuck it. This is this is why Picard is so bad. And this is why I think a lot of people were excited about Seven of Nine being in Picard and then were horrifically disappointed <laughs> by what we got, right? Is you spent a lot of time seeing this character grow on screen, right? You see this you see a lot of time this character like integrating herself with the Voyager crew and it becomes quite meaningful as time goes on. There's 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 a lot to be said for Seven of Nine as a character, which may have started out as just cheap eye candy, but turned into something real. And Picard just fucked that into the dirt so horrifically that it's it's just one of its many unforgivable sins. Like, I I, I hate to relitigate our my dislike of that show. Clearly, we spent enough time doing that. But the idea that Seven of Nine was introduced with all of the stuff that she goes through in this show essentially not mattering at all uh, and that she's just turned into this weird action anti-hero with the barest connection to the years of, you know, uh, shared stories from 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 Voyager as part of that is it, it's 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 hard, man. It's hard for that to. It's like bad enough that Picard himself got ruined. I had to drag her into it too. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know what else to put it. Like I almost didn't want to say all that. And I may end up editing this out because I don't know if we need to drag the episode down. With Patreon more, content, like, dude. Bummer Picard. <laughs> like more bummer Picard bullshit. Can we just make all of our bummer Picard stuff like bonus patreon content so it's it's out yeah, there, you have to not... pay to hear us complain about uh, have to pay to hear us complain about picard now we're paywalling no our disdain for... <laughs> any anyway i only bring uh, it up because it's it's so relevant to this character and it's so present anytime i see these developmental moments on screen um yeah because like you're getting it in reverse like now you're like your horror is in oh Oh, I, you because you watched Picard before barely there was much seven of nine at all. Right. Like yeah. we were in the middle of season four when we watched Picard. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I get it now. I get why people are like this character. And boy, they fucking did her dirty. Mm. Just wait until each actually shows up on the show. I'm looking forward just fucking to wait. Um, <laughs> so she's pretty uh, convinced that there's some sort of a uh, 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 an influential conspiracy off ship. She starts getting uh, heavy with the sensor readings on the wormhole. The sensors are disproving her theories. And then we get this cool effect where um, she sees an area of data that does not seem to disprove it's a wormhole. But there's anomaly within the wormhole, which is a ship trapped. And I thought that it, the the truth still played into the fantasy that the deception was trying to sell, right? So she says, hey, is that a ship there? And the computer's like, no, there's no ship. And she's like, open a channel to alien ship. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Which is like, open a channel to that spatial location. Mm -hmm. Like, I think was the exact language, which makes sense. Like, eh, just shout into the void. See if it shouts back. And it did. So she's like, hey, what's you know, it's up? It's like Twitter. <laughs> yeah. 
So she boots up civilization and is like, hey, I want to upgrade my uh, my ski troops or my legionnaires to ski troops. And their old <laughs> William Morgan Shepard gets in and he's like, he's deceiving you. And she's like, I know your voice. But before he could say anything else, uh, the, com- the the communication breaks off. So now she's got some pretty hard evidence. Uh, but before she- uh, Tuvok is the one that comes in when the communications get broken off. And that's where we get like her attempt to reach uh, Tuvok's uh, logical side and fail. Uh, she's like they cut off the communications because, again, subconsciously, they know that they need to do that to prevent themselves from uncovering the truth. And Tuvok comes in and is like, oh, yeah, we turned all that off because it's unnecessary because we're going to go home. We need That's extra power happening. to the main navigational array or something. And seven of nine tries to, like, pierce the veil with Tuvok thinking, like, OK, if I'm going to have any shot at this, it's going to be with this guy, right? I'm going to like hit him right in the most sensitive spot of his logic that I can see if I could get him out of this weird trance he's in. It's a, and it doesn't work. (laughs) I I'm very disappointed by this, man. We just had a whole episode about how tough and strong Tuvok's adherence to logic over everything is. He triumphs over desert thirst. Uh, Instead of banging tank girl, he, he sticks to his guns. Because he went to Vulcan Logic Jedi Academy with a wizard. Yeah. Yes. And if there's ever a time that I wanted to get behind Tuvok and root for him being this a Mary Sue in his own regards, right? For him to be the guy with the unshakable uh, cynicism. It's this moment. We'll get another taste of it later on. And she's like, listen, like... One plus one has to equal two. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, well, look at this. This two divided by, you know, this is one and one, right? And he's like, no, go away. You're, I'm kicking out. It's like, <laughs> get out of here. You're bothering me. There has to be, you know, she's got the doctor, obviously, but like this, instead of it being a, the doctor and seven of nine rescue the ship episode, I would have liked to see a, a seven and, Tuvok, you know, let's go back to the year of fire. I'm sorry, the year of hell and the the not the romance, the bromance that never was, which seems like a pretty great one. I I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, man, we had it together on the Raven, you know, and it didn't really work great, but I I think it would have worked good here. I would have liked to see Tuvok at odds with Janeway without Tuvok being the crazy one. I think that it makes sense to me for the same reason the wharf thing always happened. Him getting shot by electricity. Well, so wharf gets fucked with by everything that, you know, is a danger to the enterprise. And it became this meme and it's a meme because, well, if it's going to be a threat, then it has to be stronger than wharf. The problem is that they just did that so much. It, became almost commonplace came routine you know and they they had to like swing back the other way and make Worf a total badass in ds9 uh to make up for it and so if this thing is going to be truly threatening to the crew and be like a real problem it has to beat tuvok's mental discipline you know he can't win there i think it's correct to have him fail uh 
I still maintain, even if he had been locked in the brig or stunned or taken out of play, I, I still think I would have liked to see him have woken up from the from the trick. But anyways, she's like, listen, here's my hard evidence. And he's like, uh, yeah, well, you're kicked out of here. Quit fucking around. Um, she screws off and goes where? Uh, that's when she finds out that a doctor has been taken offline and like Tom is there like fussing around like, oh, yeah, we had to turn the doctor off. So she knows that, like now it's like getting real, right? Like now it's like a conspiracy to prevent her from 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 being able to deal with this because they've turned off the only thing on the ship, you know, the intelligence on the ship that wasn't affected by this. And then as she leaves sick bay, that's when uh, Chakotay shows up with goons to uh, let her know she's going to be regenerating for the rest of the journey. Not just goons. He's packing heat. And All three of them. Yeah. First, I'm like, man, that's really shitty to show him like, hey, you got to go to bed and we have guns. But then I'm reflecting like she shot the place up enough times that like even if they were stupid not to have guns, even if they weren't crazy and under uh, aliens control, like, yeah, this is absolutely the right response to this. And Chakotay, as it turns out, has brought a knife to a gunfight. Because while they have their type one phasers, they take her back. Type twos. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they type type twos. Twos. Uh, They take her back to the regeneration alcove. And we had already been uh, tipped off that Naomi Wildman was hiding out in the cargo bay with her stupid fucking flotter doll that they keep trying to make a thing. And she's like, my mom's acting all goofy and I don't trust her and they don't want to pay her screen time anymore. So they're not letting me get any scenes with her. Can I please hide out here behind this box? And seven's like, yeah, you can hide out behind that box, but you got to hide out behind this box here because that box over there is where it turns out. I keep my fucking compression rifle. A mama's gonna go get her gat. <laughs> Not only do I have a gun in this room, I have the strongest gun in the fucking ship that is traditionally only Janeway's when she's uh, springing people out of a space pokey. So Chakotay and his dudes, you'll notice Ayala is not involved in this. Uh, they bring him back there. I know. She pops. not there because they're jabronis. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're going to fail. She pops a security field on them. They're like, What? Uh, <laughs> she starts pulling the fucking mother of all guns out. She tells the little girl, hey, when this light flashes, push these buttons so you can uh, cock block Harry Kim up on the bridge from putting my shields down. Excuse me. Which she does. Yes. <laughs> which 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 she's like, yeah, you know what, Borg lady? I'm trusting you way more than this uh, this weird, uh, you know, Indian uh, terrorist over here. We're going to go with you today. Mm -hmm. I like it. And then uh, Seven's like, "Okay, well, I got to go shoot the joint up. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'm going to beam to engineering real quick and just literally gun everyone down. Hold on. This is a classic. You're going to love this. I know I do. And yeah, so she just shows up and just starts shooting the joint up. I don't. She says, sorry, first. It's character (laughs) growth. She's like, "Uh, all right. Sorry, guys. And it's literally a slow-mo. Bang, 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 bang. Just like just like she pulled out a Tommy gun. How many times? Just lies the place up. How many times has she kicked Bolana Taurus's ass in Bolana's own crib? At least I mean twice this. That was the same spot she that was the same spot she was in when she got bit. 
yeah. when she thought she was the Klingon and doing the mating ritual. Like she got shot in the same spot seven of nine bitter four weeks ago. Hey, I know you don't like biting Balana. How do you feel about gunplay? You want to be my BFF, uh, GF? No. All right. Well, fuck you. You're getting shot anyways. I thought she was going to shoot the warp. I thought that's why she has the oh, strongest was... gun on the ship is she's going to gun down the warp core. I didn't know she was just going to be like knockout stunning a few people. That could have been a type two. Uh, but she guns down everybody in engineering and then she erects another force field and starts doing something to fuck with the ship. And then Janeway is like, oh, God damn it. She's shooting the ship up again, again, again. I haven't made my list yet. I got to make uh, the seven shoots the place up list. And then Janeway's like, well, watch this. I'm going to blow up this console on her. Because the whole ship's wired to do that, which I'm joking, but I'm not joking. And she stuns her with uh, some classic wharf electricity and seven of the fall, uh, seven falls down, knock the fuck out. They drop the shields and take control of the ship. Ship goes. And I, I like these parts of the episode where you don't really know. Were they actually going to fly the ship in there? Were they just going to get to the mouth and get caught on like an event horizon and have to like fly out caught in this like twilight of doom? Um, you know, as it turns out, they will completely fly fully into this thing. I think seven of nine comes to no, actually it's, it's uh, Naomi Wildman who comes to engineering after everyone else passes the fuck out. It's like, hey, seven of nine. Uh, I think we're kind of fucked right now. I've been in a lot of danger since I've been a baby, but uh, this is still weird. She's walking. Well, first of all, the 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 Voyager hits some turbulence as he goes into this. I've mentioned before. I don't think these cargo stacking methods they use in the cargo bay is very OSHA compatible, and it's further proven yes. this when a fucking box falls <laughs> like hits Naomi in the head from uh, unsafe storage locations. Hey, and, lucky she kept her spine intact. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> you know how sp- bad that can get. Do those spines fall off like uh, infant teeth before she gets her adult spines and then she puts her little nose spines under her pillow and gets like a space currency that shouldn't exist? As she's walking through the hallway, we take a trip by um, uh, Tuvok, who's laying there seeing the fantasy of pon farring with his wife and again i thought it was another good moment for him to finally snap out of it and it to be him to wake up seven of nine so they could start saving the day instead naomi somehow finds her way into main engineering which as a child she's able to just walk into because door locks aren't a thing and with the magical regenerative powers of her voice alone she yells down the hallway seven and seven who just got fucking turbo zapped by Janeway just shakes it off. and is like, Oh, hello little girl. Thanks for waking me up because of the power of love or whatever. <laughs> the power of yelling my name from a moderate distance. She's like a fairy and all Naomi had to do is just clap her hands and then seven would have got her wings and flutter back awake. Um, the series of events here is them kind of, taking a survey of the ship, seeing everybody's knocked the fuck out, getting the doctor back online and that they are trapped somewhere bad. I really like the effect as they're walking down the hallway, the exterior viewports in the hallway showing what is essentially the stomach of this big space creature eating them. 
and uh, where fluid space looks stupid, this looks really cool. They eventually contact Captain Ahab again, who's like, haha, well, you're stuck in the belly of the beast now, just like me. We're all fucked. And Seven's like, yeah, I actually am a I'm a cyborg techno wizard. So I've uh, I can just beam you onto our ship and you can kind of help us fucking deal with this. I, I mean, you know, I understand over dramatics is going to be your thing. I mean, with your voice, I completely understand. <laughs> I'd be disappointed I if be they too. weren't. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, you're just you're just being you are fulfilling my expectations right now. But, you know, maybe you should come over here so we can actually like have the rest of the episode with you around. I like his hesitation. And and the fact that his hesitation is essentially curtailed by the fact that Seven of Nine is kind of a bitch about it <laughs> because it's not everything that he wanted. And it's like, oh, OK, well, clearly then this is real because you're kind of being kind of being a bitch right now. <laughs> Let me get this straight. <laughs> I'm about to die digested in the belly of a beast and a huge spaceship that's state of the art just so happens to fly in within transporter range. And I just so happen to be contacted by this stupid hot blonde chick who's stacked and she's going to make me the deal of a lifetime to not die. Sure. And she's like, yeah, that does seem pretty crazy, but uh, you can believe me or yeah, you can just die in stomach acid. Yeah. I don't care. And she's like, I mean, you can refuse and then, you know, feel comfortable that you refused while you fucking die. Hey, by the way, did I mention we have magic wizarding technology over here that can make any food you like? Huh? Does that does that help uh, solidify the reality of this? What if I told you I've got a magical room of fantasies where you could be at any resort or skydiving or whatever you want? Like, yeah, what a... What a genie in the bottle uh, opportunity. This guy's totally in the right for calling this out as bullshit. So he brings her over. He stunts on him for a while. He's old and crotchety. Uh, they get the doctor up and running, uh, who is also young and crotchety. So they're crotchety and shitty to each other. It is delicious dialogue. I I am delighted by. Uh, and the guy basically fills in the blanks at this space monster is a real fucking problem. It has committed genocide like a million times. The doctor confirms it's like 200,000 years old. This guy drops his origin story about how it killed his family and he's been hunting it, but he was going to fly I mean, in every Every line that he says is such gold because this guy's voice, right? You're mm -hmm. like, this man, this man's li lived experiences. I want to see seven episodes about like I would I would gladly go on the journey as long as it was with him. I would gladly it's put just, up with this terrible prosthetic they have stapled to his forehead. I would I would gladly put up with the rest of what is otherwise a basically C plus episode of Voyager. If, like you could just show up and narrate what's happening like it's it's incredible. Um, they come to the conclusion that they're going to have. Now, I didn't understand because she said your ship's about to blow up in like 15 minutes. The shields are going to fail and this thing's going to blow. But he ends up going back in there for their little plan, which is to. Uh, and and this is where things get silly for me. And it's really kind of dawning how bad this is. You have an ends justify the means character in seven of nine whose first response to anything is basically neutralize the threat. Uh, you know, please see example species eight, four, seven, two, where she is telling Janeway, we need to just fucking kill all these things at every turn because uh, they pose a threat to us. 
Now the ship is stuck in a giant space monster that's slowly digesting them and has almost as much, I don't know, as much blood on its hands as the board, but like some some really bad, you know, kill counts under its belt. And Ahab's like, listen, I know where its central nervous system is. We can get in there and we can like shoot this thing in the fucking brain. And the doctor's like, yeah, it, it, it points out like, hey, look, you got some high quality boom booms. We can fucking do this shit. You've got, you got unlim- photon torpedoes, <laughs> unlimited photon torpedoes and shuttlecraft. We could just kamikaze and gun this thing down. And the doctor's like, no, I'm programmed not to hurt anybody. And it's like, well, that's fucking news to me, doc, because I've seen you. <laughs> you were a terrorist leader. You led an insurgency with a known psychopathic killer. You sent him out there to murder the shit out of Kmart Klingons repeatedly. When you got deactivated, you left him a message of like, you can do it, buddy. You can murder these guys. I believe in you. You are willing to fuck off with that. <laughs> eradicate a species full of space vampires. That were living in a cave with very nice uh, textile garments. Like he, we, he was prepared to kill all those Romulans on the on the Dauntless. Like if, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's silly for him to have this stroke of compassion here for what might be a non sentient, and that's you know was really his thing because like Ahab's like this thing's a malicious evil uh, villain, and the doctor's like, you know, maybe it's just instinct. Maybe this thing's just a big bug, and this is all instinctual, and it's not a higher form of sentience. But then the doctor's like, no, we can't kill it, even though it's going to kill everybody on here. And it's like a huge fucking spatial hazard for anybody else flying by. And like, yeah, I, I, I believe what you're saying, which is that Seven of Nine should have been like, no, fuck no. Load the torpedoes. Blow yeah. this thing up. <laughs> like, we are- that's what you should have said. I tell Janeway to shove it up her ass all the time. I'm going to tell you to shove it up your ass right now. We're going to fucking blow this thing up. And also, too, uh, I have insight into how the Borg works. And let me tell you what happens if the Borg ever find this thing and assimilate it. I was worried about the the one drone hypertech child I accidentally made and how I told Janeway we need to kill this thing because it's too dangerous to the future of uni- the u- universe. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous they let this thing live. But they're like, all right, if we make ourselves taste bad, it's going to poop us out because that's what you always do to a big whale that eats you is you make it want to spit you out. And they come up with this plan. They're going to vent plasma off the nacelles. And then this guy's going to go back over to ship, ignite it, and they're going to hopefully get spit out. And that's what happens. They they vent the plasma uh they ignite it it's a pretty cool visual effect of shit blowing up and they're like yay we're free we're out and everybody seems real chill with that except for ahab on the phone he's like why aren't you hitting the second wave of uh plasma here and she's like because it spit us out and he's like ah psych it got you now now you're invested in the fantasy you have a desired outcome you're getting played and where tuvok was weak and flimsy Seven of nine sticks to her skepticism and says, you're right. Vent the second wave. The dude pops it and they get pushed out. So they get pushed out. Uh, everyone starts to regain consciousness. Uh, Seven of nine tell, sends the doctor to tell the captain what happened. Cause she's like, she's a little like, all right, it's time for me to take a nap. <laughs> like, I had enough of 
hunting whales and fucking dealing with the ship's drama and pulling out isolinear chips so I can read classified information and everything else I've done today. So I don't know. The child and the hologram can tell you what happened. I'm, hey, I'm going for a Kathy, I know you're probably wondering what's happened and you were super excited to go home and I know I shot engineering up again, but if you want any answers, you got to wait until after my nap because I'm sleepy. Yeah, like, hey, by the way, uh, there's five or six people down here who aren't up yet. It's because I shot them with a <laughs> rifle. <laughs> they may require medical attention. I don't know. <laughs> I like the moment in sick bay when uh, Ahab's given uh, the doctor a hard time and the uh, doctor's got a cortical stimulator or a blocker or something on Bolana. At Bolana, yeah. And the dude's like, listen, man, this isn't going to work. And uh, he's like, funny, I don't remember asking for a second opinion. Like, just the doctor's really, he doesn't have that many lines this episode, but everything he has, especially playing off this guy, is just fucking gold. And she wakes up and he's like, oh, cool, it's working. And then she's like, all of my dead friends are here. I thought you guys were all murdered by the Dominion. Yay. And he's like, eh, fuck, you're right. This is <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Again, it's it's uh, and then, you know, we end with uh, Voyager flying the other direction. Everybody at the end of this who was just almost eaten alive being like, yeah, we shouldn't go back and kill this fucking thing. Let's just leave some buoys around that'll hopefully warn people when you know this thing's able to like actively fly around and go cause harm somewhere else. Because like Ahab's like, oh, it's adjusting its course. I'm going to have to go track it back down again. Like, there's some real fucking negligence going on here. Kathy Janeway, who let the fucking Borg survive and got another billion people destroyed. Like, take some a little bit of responsibility for once and clean up your mess. Whatever. Uh, And then Ahab's like, yeah, all right, back into the belly of the beast. Time for me to go back at it. Uh, Fun episode. It's it's a good seven episode. We've had so many bad seven episodes in season four that I like how sparsely they're using her in season five. And I think that her episodes come off much more meaningful and um, sincere, I guess. We're not telling the same story over and over again. And even when it's seven of nine saving the crew from their own weakness as humans, um, you know, it it feels a little fresh. I guess, you know, I make a little warmer to it after talking over how much I really liked Captain Ahab in this episode and some of the little details. But it's still it's still just kind of middle of the road for me. Um, Middle of the road for Voyager is still pretty great. Let's marinate on that thought for a moment, Peter. It's 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 shocking to me to see how far you've come in just taking whatever you can get. This is you a, used to be much more skeptical about this show, and you really have come around to the point where something that's like that was fine. A couple of cool th- points here and here, good guest star, whatever. Like this still wouldn't rank in the in the top two thirds of TNG episodes. Are, are we saying the top two thirds of TNG episodes a year and a half ago, or how I am forced to view TNG in light of Picard? I, we keep going back to Picard. Like I, I feel the entire franchise has been fucking tainted by by the desperation that came across in in the cbs all access trash like voyager itself used to be really bad and there were some really really great episodes in season one and season two but by and large 
again, when I pull out my my shitty list, season two specifically, Tattoo, Elodie, yeah. 37, oh, yeah. Non Sequitur, Twisted Innocence, Resolutions, Prototype, Dreadnought, like there's a bunch of terrible waste of time episodes. Like there is nothing terrible. There's not even really anything bad about this episode. It's it's a good 45 minutes. There is some thought provoking stuff that goes on. The crew isn't portrayed as um, flawless and and two dimensional. Like it's nice seeing them trip over themselves at every level. And uh, you got a good guest star and some cool space monster shit. Like even Naomi Wildman seems to somehow not poop the episode up. So like, yeah, man, I, I don't I don't regret anything that went on here. This was this is some good 90s Trek. I, I will accede that point to you because after you brought up that fucking like murderer's row of shit that we went through in season two, I have to admit that this is so much better than I, I guess my view is a little bit tainted by the fact that, quite frankly, the show's been so much better that the show kind of here's a C plus entry just to kind of like because we had to do 26 fucking episodes a year. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are going to be gems that the fact that we don't have week to week non sequitur to twisted. You know, I'm sorry. Three weeks in a row was Elogium non sequitur twisted in season two. That was how three the, weeks in a row. How did the show survive? How did we that? survive? How did we survive that? <laughs> how did our friendship survive that? How did you not go at the end of twisted at the end of part tuition rather and say, uncle, Fuck you <laughs> like I'm Mercy. done. I'm out. <laughs> Seppuku. I'm taking this fucking roku remote and i'm gonna fucking jam myself in the heart and rip it across my stomach yeah man it's it's good and you got a you got a a star trek staple guest actor like i'm down for this um coming up next though now there's something interesting season five episode 15 dark frontier parts one and two we have seven of nine. We have what appears to be the Borg queen from first contact. And we've got a real hokey ass uh, Halloween Emporium set behind him. The Voyager crew trains to raid a Borg ship. What? Meanwhile, two years after being liberated, seven of nine rejoins the Borg seemingly of her own will. Is this this, this can't be a season finale if it's only episode 15, 16, right? So, so. Let me give you some backstory on this. Uh, this was uh, played as a single episode. It was a basically a TV movie that they did mid-season. Um, so it wasn't like part one cliffhanger part two. It was all in one night when it originally came out. And it was a big, 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 big deal because – it was, as you pointed out, the, you know, the, the Borg Queen was making a reappearance for the first time since first contact in this episode, which was part of the promo material that it was going to be this big epic regarding the Borg. OK, I, this is a very divisive episode amongst Voyager uh, fans. Some people love it. Uh, some people do not. And I, I guess let's hash this out now. We might end up deleting this part of the conversation, but maybe not. Do you want to do this as a single episode the way it was intended to be seen? Or do you want to break it up into two? I would say we have to do it as a single episode. I I, I think that's part of the authenticity of what we are doing. You know, me having never seen this stuff before is that by watching it one a week, we're maintaining that 
authentic feel of uh of voyager and uh yeah I, I say we do this thing in one sitting okay um yeah this is this is a a jumbo sized uh you know seven of nine backstory borg stuff it's divisive for a reason i do not want to spoil anything because i think it I think it'll provide us with uh, a lot of, well, this is going to have the meat on the bone. We may not have had. Well, I'll tell you what I say. We watch this thing as one and we do one podcast discussion for it. But if there is enough content here uh, to create a lot of tangential side conversations, we can split our podcast. Yeah, we can break it up. We can break it up if we have to. I guess we'll play it by ear. Stay, stay tuned, podcast listener. We're going to put you in some suspense how we're going to handle it. Um, but until then, take care and look out for space whales that try to psychically influence you into driving your spaceship into them. How sad bad. that that somehow – Alana's fantasy wasn't Chakotay's sexy time again, that they didn't dust that old fantasy off. <laughs> well, you know, it would have, it, that have made things awkward with Tom. <laughs> How <laughs> it was both of them? How would it, it could have been both of them? Like Tom, the Chakotay, you're both naked. I the like missed it. opportunity in this episode, A, is that I think Tuvok and uh, Seven did not get their buddy cop episode. And two, that at no point do we get that reflection point from the crew where they're like exposed to what their fantasies were that got them manipulated. And like Janeway having to come to the conclusion that she has this weakness and that even though Mark moved on, she wants him to leave his wife and, and come back to her and that she's willing to take that that sloppy second that uh, Bellana has to be faced with her friends dying a second time. Like, this seemed like there could have been some really good retrospect at the end of this episode instead of us getting Captain Ahab flying back off. I'm just disappointed that we didn't see all of the you know the visions as you said stated, and that for the majority of the crew it was having sex with seven of nine. Because <laughs> well, that would actually be when every male crew member. <laughs> they're showing Earth, and uh, everybody's face, and they're like, "Oh God!" And you can see everybody's like living their fantasy on their face, right? And then, you know, right. they show the, the reality of the ship flying into the belly of the beast and it's all gross. But when they're showing Harry Kim, like zooming in on his face, I want them to just go back to like the fantasy view screen instead of Earth. It's it's them coming up on his original clarinet that he left at home. <laughs> 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 A big picture of his mom and him like returning to her womb. <laughs> Settling back in. All right, we're oh. done. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We're fucking done. Cut it off. <laughs>